This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hello and welcome to Factually. I'm Adam Conover. Thank you so much for joining me once again as I talk to some incredible people about all the amazing things they know that I don't know and that you might not know. Now, Labor Day has come and gone and that means that hot labor summer is technically over. But you know what? We're gonna have to come up with a new seasonal catchphrase because the fight for labor rights is still heating up in America. In just the past month, UPS Teamsters secured a giant new contract by threatening to go on strike. American Airlines pilots it's got a massive 21% raise, American Airlines flight attendants won a gigantic strike authorization vote, and we're seeing video game actors and auto workers authorize strikes, along with healthcare workers in Oregon and Colorado. And don't forget, writers and actors are still on strike in Hollywood. We're seeing all of this activity across widely different industries because workers' struggles are the same for everyone, no matter what job you do, even at jobs that have not traditionally gotten the respect they deserve. For instance, strippers. Recently, the strippers at the Star Garden, a topless bar in North Hollywood here in Los Angeles, became the first strip club workers to unionize in decades. And what did they want? Well, the same as workers anywhere. Safety, fairness, security, dignity, and the right to not be fired for bringing up their concerns. Dancers at this club had to deal with threatening patrons without the help of security. And when some of them complained, they were unjustly fired. So, after a year of striking, picketing, and legal sparring that went all the way up to the federal level, strip club management finally withdrew their challenges last spring and recognized the union. The strippers won. And this story is so cool and so important to the entire labor movement because it shows that every worker, and that means every worker, deserves and can win the protection of a union. And that is why I am so grateful to have two of these brave workers on the show today. But before I get into it, I just want to remind you that if you want to support this show, you can toss me a couple bucks on Patreon. Just five bucks a month gives you every episode of this show ad-free. We have a community Discord, bunch of other community perks. We'd love to have you there. Head to patreon.com slash adamconover to sign up. And just to remind you, I am a touring stand-up comedian. If you want to see me do stand-up comedy in a city near you, head to adamconover.net for tickets and tour dates. And now, without further ado, let's welcome today's incredible guests. They work at the Star Garden in North Hollywood, and they're members of Equity Strippers NoHo, and also serve on the bargaining committee for that union. Please welcome Lilith and Charlie. Lilith and Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you Thanks for, having for having us. So I had such an incredible experience a couple weeks ago because I went to the grand reopening of the club where you two work. I'm not a normal strip club visitor. However, sure. <laughs> when union members say, as an act of solidarity, please come out to the strip club tonight, I show up. I there were it. there were like a hundred <laughs> other union members there yeah. cheering for you guys. You guys were dancing to "You Can't Scare Me." I'm stripping for the union. Yes, <laughs> it was so inspiring and so much fun. Uh, and and you guys are now the first unionized strippers in America. And by the way, is stripper the correct term? I want to make sure. Yes, we it prefer is. stripper. Yeah. Okay, and that's what it's on the literal button you're wearing. Equity strippers. Yes. Yes. Um, you guys are the first union strippers in America. That is so incredible. 
I think a lot of people don't think, when they think of union jobs, they don't think of stripper first. Why do strippers deserve and need a union? Well, there are a lot of workplace conditions that often bosses who have money at the forefront of their mind will dismiss. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's like a widespread issue in the industry and was the main thing that we decided to organize around was safety issues. And what kind of safety issues are you talking about? We, one of the policies that our management set was that if we had an issue with a customer and like if the customer was being too rough or was misbehaving in any way, that we were not allowed to confront them ourselves and we were not allowed to go straight to security to intervene on our behalf, that we had to first go to management, even if they were offsite, which meant we would have to call them up. What? They would yeah. have to look at the footage and decide whether or not that was a severe enough instance for security. And in the meantime, the person is still, yes. I don't know, menacing you with a bat exactly. or whatever it is they're 100%. doing. Yeah, going it, to other other dancers, yep. doing what they like did to us, yeah. And it was not like looking at the footage in the moment, it was like, we'll review tonight, or never, essentially. Wow. Yeah. Um, and also, I think with stri- with stripping your condition, like it's you looking out for you. That's kind of just how it goes. So I think strippers need a union because there's never ever been someone looking out for you when you're in like situations such as these. Um, and also, we are the second unionized. The first was the Leslie Lady. I wasn't sure. Wait, really? In, in the nineties, yeah. 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 Oh wow. So we're the only current. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Respect to the Lusty Ladies. Absolutely. I'm sorry for getting it wrong. No worries. No worries. <laughs> but you said, as a stripper, you're looking out for yourself. Except you guys are not looking out for yourselves. You're looking out for, for each, each other. other. Yeah. Yes. And so I assume maybe you mean that's a little bit unusual in the in this world. How did? Tell me the story. How did you? Uh, you know, how did you meet each other and, you know, went on the job? How did you, like, develop that union consciousness? What was the, yeah. how did it happen? Well, there was three major strikes that <laughs> led us to the real strike. Um, the the first, the third was already described by Lilith, but the first was there is a collection of unfair firings. Um, so one of us was feeling threatened by a customer and approached security, and security made a horrible response about it and just kind of threw it on the stripper for like putting herself in a situation, whatever. And then they- They blamed her for it. A hundred percent, yeah. That's awful. And then they fired her for bringing up the issue. Wow. Which was absolutely insane. Um, And then the second firing was, um, I was on stage dancing and then a customer was recording, which is obviously not allowed. Yeah. And another stripper had to intervene because obviously security wasn't. Um, and she walked over and she told him like, hey, you can't record in here. He was drunk, made a scene, and then she got fired for starting drama. So those were the first two strikes. It was really scary and all of us were like, whoa. And I think that's when like the union consciousness started building of us like, oh, if we are, if we need to protect ourselves, it's only through each other. And then the third thing was when we were told we couldn't go to security anymore. As wow. if they were there before. So you mean these are these are the three strikes in in that these are the bad things management yes. did yeah. that like, like develop your consciousness. Yes. Right. But this eventually led to you actually going on strike. Yeah. Correct. And also I think like like my first day at Star Garden, I was approached by one of our lovely dancers, Wicked, yes. and she told me right off the bat, management does not have your back, security yep. does not have your back. If something happens to you, you come to me and yeah. I will help you wow. deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I there already was this culture of, of like us looking out for each care other. Of each other. For sure. Yeah. And with stripping, a lot of people assume that it's like girls are always against each other. Like you're not friends in the club. It's like cutthroat. And I think that's real in some situations. But for my experience dancing for the past few years, it's always been like nothing but a community where you are like looking out for each other, vetting people together. And it it really is like what you were saying with Wicked. It's just you know, like we we have to look out for each other. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more a little a little bit more about like what it's like to do the job, because it's a job that is not taken seriously or given a lot of respect by right. a lot of people. But it's also I believe every job should be possible to do with dignity. And I, I assume that you there must be things you enjoy about the job. right? Yeah. Like You must take pride in your work. Absolutely. So tell me just tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, when I explain stripping, I explain it first and foremost as a sales job, <laughs> which yeah, I think, is. and it's like, there are there are strippers who create courses on sales, and like people will like take courses on sales because wow. yeah. you are selling lap dances as like that is your main uh, source of income or private it. rooms, and obviously there's a big big performance component of it um, on stage, but most I would say like ninety percent 
of the job, you're just talking to people and getting mm -hmm. to know people and um, getting trying to get some kind of tips or compensation right. or, yeah. or make some sales. Yeah. I think the job is really special in like an anthropological way because you get to see a very honest and vulnerable version of someone, yeah. which is like not something you see all the time at any regular bar. Um, and it, besides from being sales, it's just like, I've learned how to talk to people in a brand new way <laughs> yeah. in like a very, like I feel better in every other job interview I've ever had because being a stripper has like prepped me how to hold a conversation and like, you know, just my communication skills are like way, yeah. way further than I ever would have expected because of this job. And also you just learn so much about people. And then there's this also like really fun performance aspect and yeah. you meet a lot of artists just like between dancers and also customers, like there's, it's a really creative and vulnerable space and putting those two things together can be really magical. And you know, if if the system is right, it doesn't have to be unsafe, you know, <laughs> yeah. it could just yeah. be magic. And, yeah. and by the way, I, I mean, just based on uh, the, the one night I went, like you guys are incredible, <laughs> you're <laughs> incredibly you. talented Thanks. and very good at, and it's like, it, 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 the same pleasure you can take at watching anybody be great at something is uh, really enjoyable. Um, mm. But yeah, you just said that like when it's run well, yeah. it can be not a bad thing. I think people think strip club, they think CD. Yeah. A lot of people think that they shouldn't even really exist, you right. know, or why, like if you're a customer, there's something wrong with you. So, um, and I know a lot of that is because of how puritanical we are in this country mm -hmm. and how badly we treat both those workers and those customers and those businesses. Um, and so it sort of drives them into a seedy place. Mm -hmm. But what is, like, what, just tell me more about the positive aspect. Like, do you have positive interactions with the customers? Do you think they get something positive out of it? Every Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing, it's funny, my mother, when she heard I was a stripper, her fear was that it would, like, make me hate men. And it's actually done, like, quite the opposite. Mm. Like, I yeah. feel, a, a, like, a greater compassion for men because a lot of the men that go to strip clubs are not getting therapy because they're yes. discouraged to in society uh, and you see like a really like beautiful vulnerable side to people and have really like deep existential yeah. conversations with people so there is that really like big human component and also like intimacy and like touch mm -hmm. and things that um are not a lot of people don't have access to so right. yeah. it's great to be able to like provide that for people and to make people feel desirable who might not in out in the real world. For sure. Yeah. And when people think about strip clubs, I think they only can imagine that intimacy, intimacy exists in a physical way, but it's like so emotional. Like I feel so close to my customers just when we talk for like two hours about like their life stories and mine as well. And it feels, it, it's touching and like also like emotional and sad. And that is like a therapy experience that is shared, I think. Um, and like coaching people through anything that is challenging it's like the environment to be in for a lot of people that don't have another outlet, like what you were saying, because just the way like society shames therapy for like masculinity. And this is like a place to get access to having someone that like has no business listening to you in their underwear, listen to you, you know, it, I think it's a really, really healing thing. This is really heartwarming the way you put it. I mean, these are, so these are folks who have a human need for intimacy, yeah. for, for touch, for uh, conversation, pro for like a little sexual stimulation as well, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Just to, uh, maybe they don't have access to that in their lives. And they're paying for it, sure. You're being paid for a service, but you are but you care about it. Yeah. You, you care about the service. You, you feel like you're doing a good thing for the folks. And it can be a positive exchange. Absolutely. I'd yeah. say more times than not, it really is. Yeah. 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 But in order for that positive interchange to happen, it has to be like a, a safe place place yes. that is not exploiting the customers or you guys. Right. So what what are the other challenges like to that positive exchange that you experience on the job? Quotas I think can be something that inhibits like a positive a positive culture in the club and this is something that Stargarden had enforced before we before we got to striking. Mm -hmm. um, but we needed to sell I think it was $200 of lap dances a night and if you didn't you would lose your job and like Sometimes there's wow. not enough people in the club to sell $200 or you're not feeling well, you just really don't want to. And like everyone is well within their right to not, you know, do a service that they're not ready to do. And um, it creates um, like a desperate and dangerous culture of being like, please, I really need this or else I'll lose my job. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And also like there are known like tables of men at Stargarden yeah. because they wouldn't blacklist people who yeah. you knew them to be 
like predators who would take who would like take advantage of you. Yeah. And so if that, you, that's someone who you can't do a lap dance with safely. Exactly. But you are have a quota, so you're like, exactly. I gotta go to somebody. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awful position right. to be in. And this is not unheard of. This is actually incredibly common throughout most most clubs in California at least. It costs a lot of money to be there. And um, you can lose your job for not like reaching whatever quota or house fee they have set. What do you mean it costs a lot of money to be there? Oh, like for the customer or for you? For us. So almost every club has a house fee um, and it can be anywhere between 40 and $200 just to work for the day or the night. Wait, you pay to work for every the day? Time. And in most clubs, you are not paid hourly. Right. California is kind of different in that um, there was a law that was passed that um, held management to um, basically told them that strippers are classified as employees. You do need to pay them an hourly wage, which they retaliated against yes. in, in many different ways. But this is yeah. a law. Um, yes, yeah. in California. But in most parts of the world and in some clubs still that aren't complying with that law, um, they are not paying hourly. And they are, in fact, having you pay to, right. to work there. Or they'll treat you like an employee and maybe you will get an hourly, but you're expected to still pay them back with the house fee. So if you're making $50 with your hourly minimum wage, you're expected to pay maybe $200 to be there. Wow. And then they also will take a percentage of all of the, the dances that you sell. And it's different on every club because there's never been anyone before this to enforce any, any rules or laws. And yeah, it was a really challenging law that was passed because and so the be before the uh, before the strike and before your union, how how were you paid? You were paid for the dances, and I assume for people throwing cash on the on right. the stage. That's your income. But you were were you paid anything by the club at all? No. Yeah. So Starter Garden they um, took fifty percent of our lap dances. Wow. And um, Starter Garden didn't have an, a house fee. Right. Um, and we were allowed to keep all of our tips. Okay. So, so no house fee, just the quota. Got it. Okay. But still, they're taking a lot of money. They're also selling drinks yeah. and all of that. Um, and I'm sure making plenty of money. But you mm -hmm. guys are having a lot of trouble making a living. So t tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, what, like that moment when you decided to let's wait, we could form a union. Like, mm -hmm. I, I have to think a lot of strippers might not be their first thought. How about a union? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, how did that idea come to you guys? Yeah. So, we, when we, the three strikes that Charlie described, once um, basically management came into the dressing room and made it very explicit what um, was and was not allowed on our parts when we were in an unsafe situation, we felt that things were really grave and dire and that any of our jobs could be on the hook at any moment. So we fast-tracked a, a safety petition to deliver to the bosses wow. because we knew that under the NLRA, we would be protected. And that, um, and we, I think that it was... We had a meeting about the petition and a week later we delivered it yeah. to the wow. bosses. And with your names on it. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. With like we had I think like 19 signatures yes. wow. and there were 24 dancers. Wow. And yeah. so we delivered it to the bosses. They told us, okay, if you if you don't feel safe, you can not work tonight. And uh -huh. so we counted that as a victory. And they told us we'd be able to discuss the petition. Our next shift, um, which was on a Saturday, and we all came into work as usual, and there was a security guard posted up front with a little red velvet rope saying, if you're not on the list, you're not allowed to come in and work. And the only way to get on the list is to talk to the owner, Jenny, and we all tried to call Jenny, and she did not answer our calls. And mm -hmm. they ghosted us from that day um, until... We yeah. settled. <laughs> yeah. Our, our, Wait, so they the tried term. to shut you out and, and prevent you from working because of the petition? It yes. was a lockout for anyone who had signed that petition. Wow. Yeah. And that's how we lost our jobs. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and at this point, were you working with anyone from a union or did, like an organizer or, or lawyer of any kind? We were worth working with a nonprofit organization called Strippers United. Okay. And so we were working with an organizer there who um, goes by Stony and a pro bono lawyer named Jordan Palmer. Mm -hmm. And both of them <laughs> taught us everything we know. Yeah. Um, we, we also had some dancers who were very into labor rights and who yeah. had been dreaming of a union strip club forever. Right. But yeah. they yeah. were, for like the first three, four months, it was just the group of strippers, yeah. Jordan and Stoney. Like it was wow. us against the world. And Absolutely. 
our lawyer was pulling the most incredible, like, strategic feats of <laughs> lawyering <laughs> all by herself <laughs> while working. Wow. She's a lawyer at Unite here. So yeah. uh, she was pulling, like— 80-hour work yeah. weeks to include our movement with her regular 40-hour work week. But anyone from Unite here—I mean, for folks who don't know, Unite here uh, represents hospitality yeah. workers, mm-hmm. like, really low-wage folks. And they are such an incredible union that yeah. has so much power. Whenever I meet someone in labor from Unite here, I'm like, oh, this person's a badass for sure. Yeah, they're yeah. the real deal. Yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with the the whole thing of us like all looking out for each other and ourselves is that you gotta you have to know your rights, which is why a few of us were already like into organizing and understanding like how like our human rights and our work rights, what they mean for us. Right. So it wasn't like we had never thought of this before because it's not there's no HR. You know, you have to like look out for yourself. So people had taken this interest already. Um, yeah, and I think the final thing that just led us to the next phase was the there's always the the conversation of like if you don't like it here, just go to another club. Right. But it's pretty standard at almost every club that you're gonna be in some situation that is like unfavorable. Because you yeah. were like, well, if we go to another club, the same thing is going to happen. Yeah. So we might as well try to improve the place that we currently work because mm-hmm. it's not like there's some of the great out- club out there to go to. Right. Exactly. And yeah. also, like, there, we really did have a community at yeah. Star Garden of yeah. customers and of dancers that we wanted to preserve and make better. And Star Garden's been there for, like, 40 years. It's a staple of the neighborhood. Like, uh-huh. it felt worth fighting for for us. Yeah. And, and, tell me a little bit more about that community. Like, you, like, there were customers who you enjoyed seeing. There's folks who you have a, you yeah. have a positive relationship with. Like, there were good things about the workplace that you wanted to preserve. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, like, Star Garden's, like, a cute dive bar where yeah. we were allowed to dance to whatever we wanted. Mm-hmm. Like, it had, like, fun, kitschy vibes. Yeah. And... Yeah, like really loyal, lovely customers who, once we went on strike, joined us on the picket lines and mm-hmm. were there every single weekend. For eight months. Yes. Yeah. Well, you had customers at the picket line. They were like, well, I'm used to going to the strip club, yeah. but now every I'll weekend. go stand outside the strip club. Yeah. Because yep. <laughs> they're and, like, hey, we're, yeah. we go to Star Garden for, for these strippers. We yeah. don't go in for your overpriced beer. A like, huge oh. like part of our strategy was proving that we are the club and like there is no club with without the strippers. Yeah. So being outside with our customers was like, not only like perfect for us to like you know be like wow these people are like our community but also i think it helped prove to star garden that like these people are only here because of us not because of the building that we're in yeah. so and it was amazing we ended up on our last picket before we were able to stop we had like a graduation night and we did like superlatives for all of like our supporters <laughs> that would come out every week with like hot chocolate and pizza and it was really wow. you know, this community is has gotten us exactly where we are today. That's so cool. Well, so tell me about the moment that you went on strike. They were locking you out. They said you could only work if you didn't sign the petition. Um, And so were they trying to bring it, like, did you go on strike at that moment or were they trying to bring in people to replace you? So there were probably about six, well, I would say four dancers who were working at the club before the strike who continued working at the club. Uh-huh. And um, just because our community doesn't respond well to like words like scab, so mm-hmm. we've been calling them strike-breaking oh, workers. Yeah. Sure. Um, and so there were four, and then they um, continued to try to hire people while we were out on the sidewalk. Yeah. So they were um, still functioning with you know, a fraction of the dancers they had right. before. And, and a fraction of the customers. Yeah, we were driving out probably <laughs> 90% of the customers who were trying to go inside. Yes. Yeah. We had this cute little whiteboard every single night that we picketed, and it was always, like, a fun little cartoon on it, but it was, like, customers that love us and customers that don't. And that was pretty much... <laughs> and it was, like, a different version of that, depending on whatever theme we had that week. Yeah. Um, and we were, we were really, really good at driving customers away because yes. it was kind of, like, the opposite of what we're paid to do in the club, which is <laughs> yeah. you're paid to tell customers you should come in and buy lap dances. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're using yeah. the exact same skill set to be like, <laughs> you should not come in. You should stay with amazing. us. You're, yeah. like, you're like, hey, big boy, don't cross the picket line. Exactly. Yeah. So people would like <laughs> yeah. roll up in their cars and they put their windows down because we had a huge line of people outside with like posters, whatever. And we would like, like strut on over into their like little windows with our like tiny little like bikini costume outfit on. And we'd be like, Hey, so this is like the only club in the country that's striking. It would really mean a lot to me if you just went to another one. Yeah. <laughs> and we did that all, all the, the full eight months. And that's just oh how it went. God, that we like give out our numbers. That works so like, good on me. Yes, yeah. me. I'll yeah. let you know when I can dance again. And just 
right. do that. Like, oh, honey, yeah, of course, whatever you want. Yeah. You tell me where to go. Yeah. You just like <laughs> swerve away really fast. And we like, mark the board. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was a party. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. So, and that's, that is a really effective picket line because you're oh, turning yeah. people away. Uh, and yeah. you've got a federal right to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny, too, because we had a lot of, like, themed nights on the picket line. Yeah. And I think we realized really quickly that there were certain themes that did not get strip club customers to stop. Yeah. I can't, like, we did, like, a daddy issues theme where we all dressed like dads. Yeah. Like, and, we like, had a grill. Like, that... <laughs> Was not like you. I think you need a little some some something something showing. Like the Braveheart night didn't turn people away. Yeah, yeah. Not like what daddy culture is about. No, dressing like an actual dad. No, this isn't what I wanted. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not at all. But also the themes were a really important part of our of our strike that kept people coming out. Because one, everyone in LA loves an outfit. They love a reason to get dressed up. So it was really it was a smart strategic move for us. And also it kept our momentum going because like there's so many weeks where we were like, I can't keep doing this. Like, I want a job. I want to work and make money. And then we were like, ooh, but we're going to have like a Club Kids theme. So like, I don't want to miss that. Yeah. And like, it really kept us going. Yeah. yeah. One of our favorite themes was we um, ended up um, submitting complaints to OSHA. Oh, my and God. Wow. We all. Um, yeah. We had like a whole delegation show up to the office and like, yeah. drop it off. And then. We ended up like a week <laughs> later on the picket line dressing up as our various OSHA violations. Yeah. <laughs> so we had someone who was like dressed up as like the hole in the stage. Yeah. <laughs> or like broken glass on the floor. Yeah. I think we went as roaches or something. Yeah, I went as a bed bug. <laughs> yeah, bed bug there was. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you guys are using every trick in the book mm-hmm. from a from a labor law perspective. Like you're not just picketing and striking. Yeah. You are uh, fire! Uh, I, I assume you're like filing unfair labor practices oh, yeah. so many. And, and going to the federal government and <laughs> yeah. doing all those sorts of things. At this point, are you working with uh, Actors Equity? That's the union that you ended up yes. joining, right? Yeah. I think, yeah, we were on our own, I think, until like summer. So yes. it was a few months on our own. And then we made the connection with Equity. And like from the get go, from our first meeting with them, we were like, oh, they get it. Yeah. Yeah. And I they, think, yeah, oh. we share a lot of really similar stage conditions at least to what actors equity contracts already have for like no filming on stage and like understanding like audience to performer guidelines so that was just like one step in the right direction already yeah i was gonna ask because equity uh i'm i am not super familiar with the union but i know actors in new york i know it's the broadway union etc right um and yeah i would have i would have wondered oh is there a little bit of a cultural thing for them to learn but they were they were right on board with it immediately Yeah, and I think that what was so important to us is they understood the ways that we were like them and like the performers they already cover. And then they also were very cognizant of the ways that we are unlike the performers they cover. And they approached us with a willingness to learn. And like they wanted to know, yeah, what is the proper vocabulary to use? Like, do you like to be called strippers? And have encouraged their member base to like get on board with that. It's been... So lovely. And it's been yeah. the loveliest to see them like spearhead the the bargaining. Oh my like, God. It's beautiful. We yeah. love that. Well, let's get to that because you guys won this strike and I want to learn exactly how you did it, but we got to take a really quick break. We'll be right back with more Charlie and Lilith from NoHo Strippers Union. As a Factually listener, you're probably aware of my unwavering commitment to online privacy. Well, Delete Me has been an indispensable tool for me For many years, long before they even started advertising on this show, I've been using their wonderful service. In today's digital landscape, you know, it's alarmingly easy for data brokers to traffic your personal information online. In fact, I would almost guarantee that your personal information is on multiple data broker sites on the internet right now. It's not even the dark web, it's the regular web. These data brokers may be peddling and exchanging your name, phone number, and home address all without your knowledge. And trying to locate and remove all this data yourself can feel like an impossible task because there can be dozens of these sites. But that is what Delete Me does for you. Delete Me's team of experts scours the depths and the breadth of the internet to locate and remove your personal data. Within just seven days, you'll receive a comprehensive report detailing their findings and what they have removed. It can be hard to believe, but approximately 41% of Americans find themselves vulnerable to various forms of online harassment, and this means doxing, scams, and even identity theft, all of which pose significant threats to your financial security and could potentially derail career opportunities. 
I mean, I used to get weird people calling my cell phone all hours of the day or night until I signed up for Delete Me and it cut it right out. So if you want to safeguard yourself like that and live with the peace of mind that experts are hunting down and removing your personal information every three months, then check out Delete Me. Go to joindeleteme.com slash Adam and get 20% off for all consumer plans with the code Adam. That's joindeleteme.com slash Adam. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Okay, we're back with Charlie and Lilith from Equity Strippers No Ho. Uh, so you guys were on strike for how long and what was the moment at which you won? We were on strike, I think, for a total of 15 months. 15 months? Yes. yes. That yes. is so long. It's so long. Going without work. Yeah. That is very difficult. How Actively, was that for you? We picketed for only eight months. Yes. But okay. the strike continued without work for 15. Mm-hmm. And we luckily, we um, had a strike fund from that our community would um, donate to. Incredible. So that was really helpful wow. in staying afloat. Instead of tossing dollar bills onto the stage, exactly. they're like tossing them into a it's GoFundMe. It's less appealing. Exactly. <laughs> However, yes. there were luckily so many kind souls who did it anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're like, look, I just love giving you girls money. Yeah, you know? yeah. exactly. <laughs> and we love them for that. <laughs> well, so what happened to the club during this time? So they actually ended up filing for bankruptcy. Wow. So we had our um, first union election in November mm -hmm. of 2023, where um, the none of our ballots were opened because the club contested um, all of them, saying we weren't employees, <laughs> uh -huh. that we were just like leasing their space. Uh-huh. And... Um, yeah. After that point, they filed for bankruptcy as like a union busting tactic. And they were trying to, <laughs> it was chapter 11 bankruptcy where um, basically they just like reassigned their assets and they were trying to convert Star Garden into a pool hall. Which is that hilarious. Has no dancers <laughs> yeah. as a way to not hire us back. Yeah. Which is so, so good. If there's no jobs for them to return to, yeah. guess they can't work here anymore. Yeah. And obviously the, um, NLRB saw right through that. Yeah. And um, we ended up um, being a part of forcing them into Chapter 9 bankruptcy, um, which is like full liquidation. And wow. we had an NLRB hearing coming up, which would um, deal with the ULPs we filed and also would deal with our employee status mm -hmm. and whether or not our ballots in our union election should be allowed to be opened. And like the weekend before that hearing was happening, um, they, the club was like, we don't want to do that hearing. Like, so yeah. they, um, we had settlement meetings with them uh, and we ended up settling. They, they folded. They, yes. they yes. said, we give in, you guys yeah. win. We will settle over those issues. They, yeah. and they ended up being forced to recognize the union. Yep. Yeah. So Eventually. they basically removed their contestations and were like, you can open their ballots. And then they said, we will put money into reopening the club as long as right. we can get out of bankruptcy and we will hire back everyone that was locked wow. out. And that's the process that you were there for. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was the first night that you guys were open, but it didn't seem like everything was hunky-dory at this yeah. club because oh, yeah. there was a $40 cover charge to yeah. get in, yeah. yep. whereas you guys told me that it was previously free to get in. Yes. Correct. And yeah. this was the craziest part. <laughs> they would, th there was no ATM in the club yeah. and they wouldn't make change at the bar. Right. So there are all these people with 20s going, I want to, do the thing. I right, want to yeah. throw the money. I'm at the strip club, yes. Yes. but I can't. I, I threw a 20 or two because I ran out uh. of singles. Um, so it it seems like they're not very happy about being back in business with y'all. Yeah. No, not at all. So what's going on? <laughs> so basically in bar like early parts of bargaining has been negotiating the terms of reopening. Right. And we just did not have a lot of movement with them, like just specifically in that area. Yeah. And so we kind of just had to allow them to to have their managerial rights and to run yes. the club as they see fit until we're able to lock down 
a true union contract. Mm -hmm. So we're at the mercy a little bit for the time being of these tactics they're using. But we've been working in the club since it's been open and there have been no customers. And it's been really funny to see customers who know nothing about us and what's happening to walk in and be like, what in God's name is the strip club? Like, <laughs> so we're we're definitely having we're we're doing the best we can and having like the best energy and having fun is actually the words that I'm looking for because yeah. the only thing that I think has gotten through to them is that we are still the club and we will still continuously have a good time no matter what they do. So I think we showed them with reopening of how many people came out for us. Um, and even though there was a forty dollar cover, and um, yeah, so we're we're making light as light as we can um, of all of the new rules that are continuously being placed. And this is like every shift, there's at least some new rule that is now being imposed on us. So we're having fun. We're doing a lot of bits. Um, yeah. <laughs> Since you were in there, the, some rules that have um, come up are we're not allowed to go past like the black lines on the stage at okay. any moment, which on is stage. like most of the stage. Okay. Yes. And. Um, there's just like no touching of anyone whatsoever anywhere um, in the club. And but what about lap dances? You said that's like the main. You can't do. Them? I'm pretty positive if we, if we were to be giving lap dances, which the, basically at this moment they've changed the lap dance rules so that the first two hundred dollars you yeah. make in lap dance, they keep all of that money. Wow, which is worse than it was Before. previously. Um, but I'm pretty sure it, th- they would just have us do a little air air, air moment in yeah. front of someone. Yep. Um, but I don't. Okay, I don't understand because why have a strip club like I, I like if they're 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 vindictive and they're mean and they're trying to punish you for exercising right. your legal rights under federal labor law and exercising them well. Sure, but these are also punishing themselves as yes. a strip club. Yeah, so there. What is the point of this? I think that spite just weighs a little heavier on their list than yeah, like good money sense. Yeah, at the moment, I hope that will change, and that we can. You know, this yeah. is reminding me a little bit of a strike that I'm involved Interesting, in. Interesting, really. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot. There, you know, all all workers are sort of you know engaged in the same struggle, right? But right. like, there is yeah. a real commonality here where it's like these comp I mean there was just a news report that like uh Warner Brothers has lost like hundreds of millions of dollars right. uh because of how long the strike has because of how long they've dragged out the strike yeah. Yeah. whereas the demands would be like 40 million dollars we all want to go back to work yep. you know right. and it would be cheaper for them to yeah. work but they are they are mean and yeah. angry and and incompetent yeah. and, and can't figure out how to make a deal that would benefit them and everybody else. It right. seems like a similar. It, we're talking about David Zaslav versus just some you know a couple idiots who, who yes. own a strip club. Yes, vast differences in wealth here, but the same problems. Absolutely, Absolutely. yeah. And I feel like there's there's a bunch of great one-liners that have carried us through this movement, including <laughs> this could have been an email. Like we can end this whenever you want. Yeah. yeah. So they are definitely more interested in making sure that we we are we and our customers are feeling like the negative effects of their what they're doing more than having a successful club, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, to put into context what's going on with the lap dances. We would make, if we sold a crazy amount, like $800 of lap dances, we would only be taking home 300 Wow. So that's like And that's how a much, big night is $800. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like, it's a, a crazy new role to put on. And there's just a new role every night. We can't touch ourselves on stage. That's the one I forgot. You it's, can't touch yourself? No, yeah, we're having They're a lot monitoring. of fun. Yeah, we're just like miming, grabbing our boobs yeah. and stuff. What? Yeah. I know. You're a stripper. I know. You I can't guess. grab your own boobs. Yeah, no. we're not I thought that was the whole job. Listen, yeah, it is. <laughs> us, we thought so too. But <laughs> and I will yeah. say, like the amount of performance art that oh has emerged god. from these new rules is yeah. truly <laughs> remarkable. One of yeah. Charm. Charm is oh my god, a, an icon. She Absolutely. one of her performances, she wore a dog collar and mm. like chained herself to the, the pole, pole so that she wouldn't go outside the lines. <laughs> yeah, and she, I was like, uh, uh, it was insane. She also did this weekend. This incredible mime act where she like couldn't leave the lines and she had like her little hat to get money, but no one could throw far enough to get into the hat <laughs> because you're so far away from the tip rail. Yeah. And it was iconic. So again, it's the bits. The bits are getting us yes. through. <laughs> and Steve Always. and Jenny, the managers, like their eyes are glued on the TV. Like they will not look at us. And yeah. it's 
that there's some joy. There is some joy there in that. <laughs> but I mean, why even? Right. Why, why not, like you guys said, they were talking about turning into a pool hall or whatever. I'm like, if they if they want to not run a strip club that badly, why <laughs> even have it be open? Like, right. or why not concede to you and just make more money? That's the that's oh, the real question. Yeah, the age old <laughs> question. Yeah. Yeah. They also, as far as ATM. Like they got rid of it. It was it was there beforehand, but they got rid of that because they don't want to see us being as successful as them. So yeah. I think as long as we're no one's making money, they're happy. But we're the, crafty. This this goes to show that a, a lot of times with bosses when they resist a union, it's not because of the money. It's because of the power yeah. and yeah. it's emotional. It's yeah. I don't want. Hold on a second. These people who work for me get mm-hmm. to tell me what to do, or they have any right. power at all. They're I have to see them as a partner. Right. I have to treat yep. them with respect. No, That's it. <laughs> I'm on. Yeah. I'm in charge. Yeah. And then they want to keep throwing their weight around. Yeah. It's like this bizarre dominant psychology. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we see that with the management rates because they keep. That's the one thing that we at this moment can't like change that's like well within their rights to make up their their rules so on top of new new rules all the time to express their like dominancy they also are coming up with really fun and creative ways to turn away our supporters which i love uh two of my customers this weekend got turned away because security or steve who was acting as security so that he didn't like the way that they looked at him and I think that's hilarious. Which, like, that's not a protected class. No. <laughs> but, like, yeah. it's yeah. shitty. <laughs> it's shitty. Yeah. So, yeah, or I that mean, that's his full. prerogative, but it, it sucks. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. It's just, again, that whole, like, I'm the boss and I need to do whatever I can to maintain boss mentality to exercise yeah. power and exploit my workers. Yeah. But... Nope. Well, well, so you guys won in the process of forming a union. There's like two big victories you need to won, and you won the first one, which is forming the union and getting recognized under labor law. So yeah. now they have to bargain with you. Yes, but that can sometimes be, even though it took you 15 months, it can sometimes be the easier battle right. yeah. compared to the second victory you need yeah. to win, which is winning the contract. Yes, uh, right. and uh, which is where you get all the better wages or working conditions or safety, whatever, you, whatever. Actually, that's not true because sometimes just fighting will cause the company. You you know, in, yeah. in many cases to make improvements. Um, if they show that you're fighting, they'll they'll try to sweeten the, the deal so that you're mm-hmm. less angry. But in your case, you really do need to win this contract. Yeah. So what is you're in that part of it now. Tell mm-hmm. me about that and, and how are you how are you battling to win that contract from them? It's grueling, first yeah. of all. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. I think yeah, I th- I think it we're we're hoping it will be helpful that we've shown them already what a strike would be like for them. Yeah. Yes. So that it would not have to come to that a second you, time. You could go on strike again if yeah. you had yes. to. Absolutely. Yeah. But obviously you don't want to. Yes. Yeah. It would be so ideal to just come to some kind of agreement <laughs> that we're all happy with. Yep. Um but yeah, we've been in bargaining now for like three, three months, months or yeah. so. And wow. it's something. It's it is wow. definitely hard. I will yeah. say it's been really empowering to yes. be able to have our voices heard in the way that our workplace is run and to see our lead negotiator who with Actors Equity just completely like give the most like beautiful speeches on our mm-hmm. behalf, like yeah. just demanding our respect. Right. That's been incredible. But yeah, we're, it's definitely a lot, a, a big, we have big hurdles ahead of us. Yeah. That's Absolutely. for sure. You, yeah. Uh, have you been in the room like for, for the negotiations? Yeah. What is that like? Yeah, we're both on the bargaining committee. Yeah. yeah. So for every bargaining session, it's all on Zoom. There is one that was in person, which was wild. Um, but the we get to all watch our lawyers like do this like very passionate and beautifully well-spoken like conversation with their lawyers. And it really... It, it one makes me feel like I'm I actors equity is here for us in a way that I didn't see until I started seeing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's huge. And also just like getting to tell them like this is how to run a business. And we know it because obviously the employees will always know the better way to run the business. Yeah. So getting those things out. Even if they're not being heard, it feels good to be able to like express it to them. Yeah. For example, like a cover charge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about the cover charge. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I feel like I hear that so much in other 
you know, ser- service industry unionization jobs are happening, like uh, uh, Starbucks workers, mm-hmm. for instance, when they're unionizing. It's often about like, hey, we know how to run the sh- the shop because yeah. we're here every day. Yeah. Like, you should run it this way. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just trying to make it run better. Right. Um, yeah. And like that that sort of like using that knowledge that the workers have mm-hmm. to try to benefit everybody, customers, yes. management, and employees yeah. included. Yeah, yes. and this goes back to what I was saying before about the quotas and how it creates this like really dangerous and uncomfortable environment. It's like, we know what it feels like to be in that and they only know what it feels like to profit off of that. So like working, proposing to them what it could be like if we all were in an equitable system that like, Mm -hmm. well, where we felt safe and protected and, you know, we can move forward and make them rich and while we also are making money Mm -hmm. would be like our dream. And I feel like we're working together for a future where hopefully we can, it can be equitable for all of us. So. Well, it, it, but you're just dealing with just a couple assholes, right? Who, yeah. who yeah. are, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, those are my words. Sure. I know you're bargaining yes. with these folks. Maybe you don't want to call them names, but <laughs> you know, uh, you are sort of relying on a couple of people who just randomly own a strip club into like being smart business people. Yeah, right. <laughs> like reasonable humans. Yeah. yeah. Reasonable is actually the much better word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are I think, expecting a lot. And like so many strip club owners don't understand like the power in incentivizing mm-hmm. versus penalizing. Yeah. Right. Like if there was a, a lap dance like percentage w- set up where like you would receive more money the more lap dances you give and the, right. the more money you make the club, then they would see how much more effective right. that is immediately. Right. Rather than you can lose your job from not selling enough. Yeah. 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 I, I imagine there must be somewhere in America like like well-run strip clubs right. that are like done in sort of a positive way that like, you described. I'm sure that I'm sure there yeah. is. I've danced in a few different cities in a few different states. And, you know, I think every single club could use a lot of work. Of course. Some of them do have incentive programs where like if you work – Three days in a row, maybe your fourth day, they'll give you half off on your house fee. But like, it takes a lot for a club to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that talking about these owners that I find really inspiring about what you're doing is you are bringing the full weight of labor law. Like you have yes. good union lawyers who are, that's an unfair labor practice. You can't yeah. do that. We're taking you to OSHA. We're mm-hmm. taking you to the NLRB, yeah. which adjudicates labor decisions. Um, and these are just... Uh, again, a couple people who own a local strip club. Like yes. you're not, yeah. you're not up against, you know, Amazon or Starbucks or yeah, these right. big companies that bring in the big into union law firm. Right. These are like, you know, some local business owners. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so, but you are fighting for your rights in, in exactly the the same way and like mm-hmm. taking it to them. They must be a little bit stunned because I mean, they, I would imagine they they would not have expected to be talking to a lawyer from Actors Equity or, oh, to, or yeah. to be talking to, to unionized members of the workforce. I think they workforce. still think that they can just wait us out. Yeah. 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 That's and, where they're at. <laughs> yeah. And I think that like their perception of strippers is like a big part of that. I mm. think that they completely underestimated us. And like, w- yeah, I mean, what do they think of strippers? Like, uh, how, mm. I know. think that they just like d- didn't expect us to be resourceful or like have like good thoughts just yeah. generally. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think Actors Equity probably stunned them. And then the NLRB was very just like was very involved in our case and was very Amazing. incredible and yeah. I still d- are. Yeah. yeah and so I don't think that they expected yeah it to get to a federal level well I think a lot of it again <laughs> is the cultural perception of right. strippers and of the job mm-hmm. that you do people think it's not a job that any you know, any decent person or intelligent right. person or powerful right. person. This is just a, this is a degraded job yeah, for right. people who aren't worth anything. And so they don't expect those folks to totally. stand up and have power and be smart yeah. and committed and strategic. I think yeah. what they don't realize is that I would say a, a good majority of all strippers have other jobs, but they're in fields that just don't pay well. Like when you're an assistant or you're doing anything creative, like music, fashion, art, whatever, all of those things are not like high paying jobs when you're starting off. So it's always, for a lot of people, it's just supplemental income, Mm -hmm. which means a lot of people have a lot of work experience coming into clubs that they just wouldn't, that club owners don't expect you to have. So they think that you don't understand what it means to have like a labor 
to have employee rights. Right. Right. But like most people have had at least a few experiences where they've been told like what their rights are. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of their perception. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the early days because this thing we skipped uh, that, that I want to make sure we talked about. Uh, you know, one of the most important early steps in unionizing is talking to your coworkers, mm -hmm. getting everybody on board, finding out what everybody needs, doing that basic organizing. And just tell me about that step when you were first getting started. Like, how did that, how did that go and how did you approach it? I think the first time we discussed organizing was when, with the first firing of mm -hmm. um, this dancer, Reagan, um, yeah. because she was just such a, like, emblematic part of star garden mm -hmm. she had so many like big customers who brought in a lot of money so it really felt like oh if if she is not safe and her job is not safe then we are not either yep. and so that's when discussions about like our protections and what we could do and how the law could right. um help us um started and that's it we very fortunately had a little instagram group chat that was mm. just to discuss you know mm -hmm. random work things that very yep. quickly became a union organizing got group it chat. Yeah. so yes. this seems like this is pretty easy you didn't have to like go and really bend people's ears and go think mm -hmm. about it you, you were all in a group chat and you were going like let's fucking get them yeah, <laughs> yeah but there was only i think 24 dancers total and also the the whole our entire movement, I think the word that could be used is urgency. Like we had maybe a week from when Reagan had gotten fired to when Selena got fired and we were like, no one is safe. And then we were like, all right, petition, let's go, 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 go. And then strike. And it was just so quick that there wasn't like this big like, hey, like, have you ever heard of unionization? Like, do you know what you could be protected for? And like, it just right. didn't happen like that because we yeah. didn't have a grace period. Yeah, I yeah. will say that like one of the, in our earliest discussions, yes. um, one the documentary Live Girls, Live Girls Unite, Live Nude Girls Unite yes. about mm. the lusty lady mm. unionization in the 90s yeah. that was mentioned mm -hmm. as just like a touch point to be like, if you're afraid of the prospect of us as strippers unionizing, like, look at this and yeah. just maybe yeah. get inspired. And right. I watched that documentary and was absolutely like, oh, I get it now. Like, yeah. I see how this could be something like a feasible path for us. Yeah. Wow. And we were really lucky to have had other other strikes across America within strip clubs and also um, the lusty ladies to kind of guide us in everything that we were doing. So we're definitely not the first. Um, and yeah, it feels powerful to know that like the quote unquote sisterhood of like strippers across the world exercising their rights exists. And yeah, yeah we got to follow footsteps. That is so cool. And do you see, um, you, got, you guys have gotten so much press, you yeah. got so much support from the labor movement. Are you starting to see that expand? Are there folks considering this another area? Is equity gonna try to expand to more strip clubs and cover more workers? Already yeah. has. Yeah. yeah. We, really? There's a club in Portland called Magic Tavern. I knew Portland would be next. I know, right? Naturally. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, they just um, like had their vote count and it was um, mail-in ballots. Yeah. So I think that we should have the results of that soon. Mm -hmm. um, That's amazing. We all, uh, uh, a few of us like went up to Portland and supported them on their their first picket like it's been very beautiful to see because i think like our dream was unionizing our club but also hoping that there would be other workers who mm. decide that a union is the best thing yeah. for their club yeah. and that they we could have like forged a path for them right. to make it a little easier That's, so to see did. that happen <laughs> yeah. is like yeah i think the huge. original goal was once we had unionized and it was successful to be a resource to literally any dancer ever being like, hey, this thing happened at work. What are my protections? And like, yeah. what's the next step? So to be able to do that, but then to see it and how quickly Magic Tavern was able to get to their union like election is huge because it took us how many months? Like uh, eight? Like nine. nine. Like we wow. could have had a baby. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah literally. That's a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I believe Portland is a big strip club town. So if, oh, yeah. if one place flips, a, yes. a whole bunch are going to go next. Absolutely. Same. That is the hope. I bet. Yeah. And, and what you said about having the model is so important to see that other people have done it. You know, yeah. I, I'm a stand up comic. There's no stand-up comedy union mm -hmm. uh, anywhere in America. Um, right. But I just last year read a wonderful book called I'm Dying Up Here, which is about the attempt to stand-up comics in the 70s try to unionize mm -hmm. the comedy store, oh, which cool. is a famous club still there. It at the time did not pay. And I, I knew that comics, oh, they went on strike. I thought they just like, 
you know, held up picket signs and whatever. They actually did form a real union. They like filed with the NLRB and all of that. They went on strike. Um, you know, Jay Leno was on the picket line. Gary yeah. Shandling crossed the picket line. There's all these big Hollywood stories about it. Mm. But um, they were eventually found uh, in the 70s that they could not be a union because they were con- they were found to be contractors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just seeing that, oh, hold on a second. Stand-up comics at one point did do this yeah. at a particular club. Maybe go, ah. I mean, they could again. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I'm the one to make it happen or anything. <laughs> sure. Like, I'm, I, I don't work at a club like that that regularly. But just right. like seeing the example can really inspire yeah. uh, uh, people to. And and I don't know, just seeing you guys do this made me start thinking again about like there's there's a lot of similarities between stand up comedy right. and stripping. To For be sure. quite honest, yeah. Maybe we should think about it. Yeah, you know? and I think that um, a lot of people in other parts of the country do not believe that they as strippers can unionize because mm-hmm. we live in California where there is this law that just demands that we be classified as employees Mm -hmm. but there are you know standards in the from the nlrb that will mean that you should be classified as an employee Mm. and i think that in i don't think magic tavern is an employee status club but they are managed like employees and they are scheduled like employees and there are all these different um, thresholds that they do meet to be so, able to unionize. Yeah, if you're an independent contractor as a comedian, but you're on a strict schedule yeah. or club takes fees from you in any way or mm. quotas, house fees, whatever, then you are being treated like an employee. Therefore, you're able to unionize. Got it. Yeah, and there's it's so often that the boss will tell you, oh, you can't be in the union because you are, <laughs> you're a contractor or you're a stripper or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, that happens a lot in the entertainment industry. People say, oh, uh, PAs can't unionize. Anybody right. with producer in their title can't unionize. Stuff like that. Yeah. It's not true. It's not true. They just say that mm-hmm. in order to make you think, oh, it's, I don't know, there's some law somewhere. Yeah. But like, if you actually try to do it and petition, you could be found yeah. as you guys were to Absolutely. be like, no, you, you're you eligible. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, what you guys are doing is so inspiring. What other wins have happened in the time that you've been doing this campaign? So there is a few wins um, that happened throughout this the past 18 months yeah. um, that are really important. The first thing is that everything we complained about to OSHA and all the complaints that we had filed were fixed. So when we came wow. back to the club, it was like, wow, our voices and the effort we put in there, there's, there's some outcome. There's a new poll, a new stage. Um, there's... Air conditioning. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't air conditioned before? Not in our dressing room, which is like closet size. So yeah. now there is a vent on the ceiling, which oh is Oh my God. Big. Beautiful. Yeah. So it is cool. It was one of the first times in this movement after the union election that I was like, wow, when the system works, it really <laughs> works. So that was like a motivating thing. Um, and then also, I think our biggest win is that Selena, she is one of the dancers in our strike and she w- is undocumented. And through the union, she was able to get her work authorization. Wow. Yeah. R- that's incredible. It's huge. Like, uh, so even though you guys haven't won a contract yet, like just by doing this, you have really improved conditions mm-hmm. for yourselves and for the people that you work with. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think... Um, Something that she has been talking about is that a lot of undocumented folks are scared of any sort of um, government system because they're in constant fear of being deported. But at no point throughout this movement did that fear have to follow her because she knew that the union would be able to protect her. And it has. So it is really, really amazing to show that for strippers and for anyone that feels like the unionization is something that's not available to them. It can be. Um. Yeah, it's conditional, but it exists. And yeah, that's a really huge, huge one for us. That's amazing. And and I mean, just again, talking about the the cultural perception of, of strippers uh, in America and your own opinion about it. Have you seen, you know, this process that you've gone through change the way people think about what you do or the way you think about what you do, you know, in terms of in terms of that consciousness? Yeah. Yeah, I think being in the mainstream and um, having stripping talked about on just like the same level as other workplaces has definitely opened people's minds to it. And I think hopefully has helped with the stigma a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think with equity, having people in equity recognize that we're also performers, like we are all just playing a part, a role. We have our own characters and names. Um, And I think that's a big thing that helped me understand that I'm a performer and I can like claim that. So that's big. And also we do still get a ton of haters and I love them all. 
They're very funny and silly, and they say quippier things than anyone could ever come up with. Wait, 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 like what? What's the quip? What's the oh, best God. quippy hate you've oh, ever heard? We, there's so much. We like we get. I like at first was very offended by them, and then I saw they all use the same one-liners, yeah. and I was like, they're not even original. They're just they're copy pasting. Yeah, they're on like, like your Instagram or whatever. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. like this must be the day shift crowd or the like, Monday, the Monday crowd. But what they don't understand is that like. Stripping is you have to get into the role. So obviously, because they don't see it as a job. So yeah. when we're not like working, we're not gonna look like your image of a stripper, you right. know? Right. Like <laughs> mostly because we're wearing freaking clothing. Yeah, and like so. daylight is not very forgiving in yeah. the way that club club lights are. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. Right. So it's just like when that. actors show up to the picket line and they're like baseball cap and their sunglasses right. and they're like, Ugh. exactly. Like they and don't look like, like they're in the Marvel movie. Yeah. That day, yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but so yeah, I mean, just just like. <laughs> This is a whole form of work that is so often not just not thought of as work. It's not thought of at all. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's the you know mantra of uh, all forms of sex work are work. And this is, you know, you, you mm -hmm. guys are demonstrating that in such a mainstream way, right. you know, yeah. um, that is, uh, I, I think, just going to ripple out and out and out. Uh, so uh, look, well, what I love most about your story is that, you know, this is a story of you guys looking around, unionizing your own workplace. Mm -hmm. Um uh, what, if for the folks out there who want to unionize their own workplaces, like what do you suggest as the first couple steps? You know, like how how do you uh, uh, what what do you want people to know about uh, about how they can do it too? I feel like the first step is just to complain. Yeah. With, <laughs> no, like, it really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complain like, to each other too. Exactly. Yeah. Just to like build those relationships with your coworkers and to just plant the seeds of oh, so we're all not happy with this one yeah. specific thing or multiple specific things. And then from there, um, asking the question, okay, well, can we do something about it? Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that it's probably scary, especially in a, in a workplace like a strip club yeah. where there's not a, a ton of awareness about things like unions to just like hurl out right out of the gates. Like we yeah. should unionize um, because strikes are horrifying and grueling yeah. and not a thing you want to be the top of mind. Yeah. So just like filming uh, or just creating those relationships with your coworkers and being like, I care about you, you care about me. How right. can we make things better? Yeah. And specifically off of that is understanding like where all of your coworkers are coming from. Like ask them about their families and like what their situation outside of work is so that you know how much space they have to give. And I think that's something we got lucky about because like being in a strip club, you're already in like this really fun, vulnerable environment. So you talk all the time about like, you know, like what you have going on and everything. So understanding where your coworkers are coming from and what they might need specifically is like a really conscious way to move forward a movement to know like, okay, like this person is here for this, but just because they're not participating doesn't mean they're not about it. They just like can't participate right now. Yeah. So just checking in with everyone when you're having those first complaint conversations and like, what's the biggest issue to you? Mm -hmm. And like dealing with those conversations. Yeah. Especially if you're in a workplace where like, I think that, like if if as a white person, like you might have a completely different experience exactly. in a yeah. workplace than um, a worker of color. So just like being able to give over the mic and be like, yes, what is your experience and not like just existing in your own vacuum and being like assuming yeah. that whatever your issues are, are yeah. like all of the issues. Yeah. Just taking yourself out of whatever your your issues are to hear about the rest of your workers, I think is will help you move forward. And also don't listen to your bosses. Like what you were saying before about how they'll lie, they love to lie because they can. Yeah. And like, I'm a liar too, I love it. But like, don't, don't listen to your bosses because they'll lie about what's within your rights. I think, yeah, just like planting the seeds of like potential tactics that management could use if yeah. they hear, catch wind that you're, you're organizing, right. yeah. And yep. also you'll be protected, so like, if hopefully you will be protected, but retaliation will could absolutely happen. But like, don't let that be the the fear factor because if your community is strong the way that ours was, we were there for each other and we're like, all right, this person got fired. Now we're all gonna deliver this petition. So like, once you have that community, 
understanding that retaliation, if it does happen, it's not the end. Like that's just the beginning and you have a lot to work off of from that point. That's incredible. I mean, the emphasis on community is so important. And yeah. the way that you say it, you don't need to open with, hey, guys, I think we should start a union. Yeah. In fact, that's a mistake I think a lot of workplace organizers make is the first thing. Hey, guys, I think we should start a union. Here's what we should do. And the first thing you do is you talk to your coworkers. And you say, hey, we're a community. Yeah. I care about you. What are your problems? You care about me. And regardless of your you know, what What organization under labor law you put together, that's what a union is, yeah. is that mm-hmm. community of workers caring yeah, for each other. You guys already had that. Mm-hmm. A lot of workplaces do too, but you can build that um, in any workplace. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. then once you've got that community, then you could decide, hey guys, do we want to talk to a labor lawyer or what do we want to do? Right. Yeah. Um, but it's that, that community of workers looking out for each other, that is what makes the difference. Right. And you could build that no matter where you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. writing a petition together, even if you never even deliver it, that is something that is so bonding for a community. Mm. Just what are the, the things that we're not okay with? Yeah. And putting it down on paper, I think, is a really like, oof, we did something. That's a bonding moment. So I think that's also a really good, like, once the conversation has been brought up, just get to the petition because that'll help. Yeah. It helped us. I think, like, one per misconception about, like, our group, too, is that we, like, want to be like conquistadors for the union and like unionize every single single strip club in the country (laughs) and i do think it's worth noting that like a union is a very personal thing that the workers at this one specific workplace can or may or may not choose to to join so it's it's definitely on a personal basis of what you think your workplace needs yeah Yeah. it's cool that we made this as an option but we are not There's no intention for us to, like, turn every club into a union club. It's more of, like, if that is something that you were looking for, let's make it available. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to help. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, I've said enough about how inspired I am by what you guys are doing. (laughs) If people want to follow you, where can they find you? How can people support your work? Sure. Our Instagram is at Equity Strippers NoHo. That's also our website. We have a donor box that we're using as our solidarity fund right now. So you can definitely donate there if you'd like to. Um, and also, if you're in L.A., come to the club. It is $40 and a one drink minimum. But it helps us to have people in there complaining to management and... Also, we love to hang out, so come through. And hopefully it won't be $40 for Forever. <laughs> yeah, They oh, might see the light. We'll see. Uh, I, I hope I hope for that for you. Best of luck in your contract negotiation. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to me about it. Thank you for having Thanks. us. Yeah. Oh, thank you once again to Lilith and Charlie for coming on the show. If you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did, I hope you'll consider supporting us on Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash Conover. Five bucks a month gives you every episode ad-free. Fifteen bucks a month gets me reading your name on this very show. Most recently, I want to thank Chris Rezak, Nara Niles, Quotidiophile, Ryan Cowler, John McAvee, Scott Kaler, and Algie Williams. Thank you to all of you and everybody who supports this show. If you want to support me as a stand-up comedian, head to adamconover.net for my tour dates and tickets. I want to thank my producers, Sam Roudman and Tony Wilson, everybody here at HeadGum for helping make this show possible. Thank you so much. If you want to find me online, you can do so at adamconover.net or at adamconover wherever you get your social media. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next week on Factually. That was a HeadGum podcast.